This is another message brought to you by the Remodel Church. Hey, so today, today we wrap up, today is the final or final message on the life of David. Hey, give somebody a high five for that. Five months, bro. So today is the last day on the life of David. And what I want to do today is I want to summarize the life of David. So if you would go ahead and find your Bibles. And don't really open it up to anywhere specific because we are going to be all around the Bible. But the, but the life of David happens in the second half of 1 Samuel and then the first part of 2 Samuel. And that's what we've been going through for like the last four or five months. Um, I know we started sometime in May on this series, but it's been a good series. I feel like um, I know myself, I've, I've learned a lot and grown a lot through this. So let's pray, then we'll jump into it. God, we thank you so much for allowing us to be the church. Thank you so much for those that have been generous week after week after week, being faithful in their in their giving. Thank you for those, God, that were able to just jump on it. No questions, no hesitation. Just jump on it and be your hands and feet. Shine the light of Jesus. Thank you, God, for allowing us to show your love to that family and to our community. There's no doubt it was an incredible, impactful, and meaningful Sunday, God. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of that. We just ask you, God, that as we wrap up and as we summarize the life of David today, we ask you, God, that you'd speak into our hearts, speak into our lives, help us understand your word, help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. Amen. So the kids can go ahead and go out if you want to. Hey, if, if you're like, EJ's pretty cool, I want to listen to him, you can stay in here too. Then all the kids and even the adults got up and left now. Um, so the life of David, the life of David starts out, he's a, or, or the story of David, excuse me, starts out, he's a shepherd boy taking care of the sheep. Whenever a prophet comes to his father's house, his father's house was Jesse, and says, one of your sons is going to be the next king. There was already a king. The first king of Israel was Saul. And uh, this prophet comes and knocks on Jesse's door and says, one of your sons is going to be the very next king over Israel. And so what Jesse does is he starts to bring out his tallest and his strongest, his most handsome and his eldest children, his eldest boys, And the prophet says, you know what? It's none of these. God God didn't choose any of these boys to be the next kid, to be the next king, excuse me. Is there anybody else? Is there someone that you're kind of hiding from me? And he says, well, there's the the one that's taking care of the sheep, but, you know, he's he's out there all alone, and it, it can't be him. He brings him before him, and God gives Jesse and gives a prophet an important um, lesson whenever he says, it's this one, because I don't look at the appearance. I'm not looking at what everybody else sees, but I look directly into the heart. 
That's the first met or that's the first lesson that we learn from David. And as we summarize the life of David, we definitely have to include that God sees our hearts while everybody else may see intentions or may see, may see our exterior or may just see our attitude or whatever. God sees our hearts. We may be able to fake everybody else out, but we cannot fake God out. We may be able to put on a a mask and we may be able to play church and we may be able to sing the songs and say the things that we're supposed to say, but we cannot fake God out. And on the other hand, those that people and all of and everybody else may have been counting out and been saying there's no way you could ever succeed there's no way you could ever be good enough there's no way you could ever be strong enough there's no way you could be the one God says I see the heart not the appearance not the exterior that everybody else sees the most probably most famous story in David's life is whenever David kills Goliath We've probably all heard that story. And uh, the, story, the main message that we need to learn in that is that the same God that has moved before is the same God that will move again. And that's what David says. You see, it, it, there wasn't really anything so powerful in David and in the stones. It was so much, it, the, what was so powerful about David killing Goliath, or the reason he was able to kill Goliath, is because he knew. And he says, the same God that has delivered me from the lion and from the bear that I killed with my bare hands will deliver me from this giant that you call Goliath. And David understood that the same God that has moved before is the same God that that will move again. The battles that you have faced in the past that God has brought you through, that God has given you victory over, that God has allowed you to conquer and get past, the same God that brought you through all of those trials is the same God that will deliver you from what you're facing today. The same God that healed you years ago, the same God that saved you years or months ago, that changed your life that time ago is the same God that can still move in you today. And that powerful belief, that powerful statement that David had in his heart is what allowed him to kill Goliath because he knew it's the same God. I'm praising the same God. I'm living for the same God. And if anybody else would have just got there and got that in their hearts, they could have killed Goliath as well. But instead, they placed their their mindset on the situation on how big Goliath was and how much of a giant he is and and how much he weighs and how long his spirit is and how big his sword is, how big his shield is, how many people he's got with him. And they, they focus on all of these negative things instead of just believing inside of their hearts. The same God that has delivered Israel before will deliver Israel again. So I want you to just focus on that. No matter what you're facing, how about we stop facing and stop looking at how big Goliath is. Stop looking at how big that giant is that you're facing and, and why it's so big and why, why so many people or how many people have fallen to it. We don't have to accept that this is the way life is always going to be. Just because my grandparents and then my parents and then all of my aunts and all of my uncles all failed in this area or all struggled with this, it doesn't mean that I have to as well. I can kill Goliath 
Because the same God that has moved before will move again. Probably the second most famous story about David is whenever he falls into temptation, whenever he, um, whenever he commits sin and he commits adultery. And what he does is he sleeps with this woman who he had seen bathing herself. And so he orders her to come up. He impregnates her. And then he not only impregnates a married woman, but then he has her husband killed. Uriah was her, was her husband. And through this story, we learn that everyone fails. Every single one of us, Romans 3.23 says, for all, go, go ahead and go there because these are great scriptures for you guys to highlight. Romans 3.23 and then, and then verse 24. Romans is way back in the New Testament. If you just go to, if you just find the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 23, or chapter 3, excuse me, verses 23 and 24. I'll give you a second. I want to make sure you get there. Chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Hey, if you need a highlighter, I've got one right here that I'll throw, throw at you. And I'll, I'll even give it to you. For real? Oh, look at that. New Razorbacks quarterback right there. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, verse 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Everyone fails, but no matter how small or how great, God remains faithful. And that's what we learned through that story, through that dark period of David's life. As he, at first he fails. His first sin was, was by looking at her. And maybe some would consider that to be small. And it would have been best if he would have just turned away and stopped lusting after her. But then he continues to move into sin and continues to walk into sin. And he goes as far as killing a man, an innocent man, just to cover up his own sin. But we learn through that story that God still remains faithful. God still tells them, I'm not leaving you. I'm not done with you. I'm not abandoning you. You've messed up and you've sinned, but I am still here. Now that is incredible. That is a love that runs deep beyond any sin that anyone could ever commit. So we all fail. We all mess up. And this life, listen, following Jesus is not about being perfect. It's not about saying all of the right things and, and looking and reading and doing. It's not about being perfect at all. If you try to be perfect, man, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You will never be perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. It's not about reaching perfection. It's about living in God's grace. And that's what he teaches David. You failed and maybe you fell, you've fallen greatly and you've committed big sins in your life, big mistakes in your life, but know that God's faithfulness still remains. His faithfulness still stands. 
You can't, you cannot outsend God's grace. You cannot outrun God's faithfulness. There's a point in David's life when he's being pursued by Saul, the current king at that time, and uh, they come into his camp, his men's camp, and kill and, and make slaves of everybody. They kill all the men and then make slaves of all of their women and all of their children. And then the Bible says that, that all of the men are just mourning. They're crying like their eyeballs out. And they're all hopeless. But then David finds strength in his weakness by turning to God. You don't have to live life alone. You don't have to go through these struggles alone. You don't have to be strong enough. Because we can find strength in our weakness. Because God can be our strength, should be our strength in our weakness. And David understood this. So David finds strength in God and he is strengthened by God. And then he mounts up his men and they actually go and they charge over the hill and they, you know, all of that good stuff, man. Great, great story and make a great movie. But we don't have to fight alone. We don't have to be strong enough. We can be weak as long as we're trusting in God and get our strength from him. Because you'll never, you'll never be strong enough to face everything that this life throws at you, man. It seems, it seems like the older we get, the harder it gets, right? That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Man, Zion, he doesn't care. There, there, there was a kid earlier, man, we're all getting ready, and then there's a kid over there eating, uh, he's got a cup of coffee, and he's got like this box of cookies, and he's dipping every single one of them in this coffee. I'm like, did your parents say that you could do that? Yeah. Okay. Well, are you going to go ahead and eat the whole box or just, just some of them? Eh, I don't know. Okay. But then about five minutes, through, five minutes uh, go by, and I come back through, and then there's just like a mess of cookies and coffee. He doesn't care. Why doesn't he care? Because who cleans it up at the house? Mommy. And the older we get, the less of that we get, huh? Whenever I got married, I kind of thought my wife would do that for me. She let me know. I ain't your mama. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Because, well, I'll just, I just won't say it. I'll just say it's all right that she's not my mama. Anyways, anyways, go to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Man, this is church, guys. Come on. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Moving to the next thing, the way that we follow God affects the way that our family follows God. 
So God made a covenant, made a pact with David and said, you know what? Because of the way that you follow me, because you are a man, David was known by God as a man after his own heart. David was a man that all he wanted was God's heart. And and God makes a pact, makes a promise with David, a commitment and says, because of the way that you follow me, I'm going to bless not only your children, but then your children's children. And not only that, but my own son, God's son, came out of the line, the bloodline of David. Because of the way that David followed God, it greatly impacted, greatly affected his children and all of his descendants from then forward. Because David was a man that loved God so much, it just oozed and radiated out into the rest of his family. You see, the way that you follow God or the way that you don't follow God, all of that affects your family. I've shared this, but I will never not share this. I have been working with teenagers for a little bit over a decade now. And you know what I see time and time and time again, year after year after year? This is what I see. I see kids because we've, we've always, thank, thank God, we've, we've, we've for the most part always had a great youth ministry and, and kids ministry in the last five years has really exploded since Lorena has, has been working with them. But, but what I see over and over again is this. We bus in kids and we bring kids and they have an experience here with God and they feel God and they, and they get uh, their lives changed by God. But then when they grow up, they're doing exactly what their parents did and not what they learned here. You guys with me? You see, parents, we can't, we can't just say, okay, go to church and expect that to fix it. I'll never forget, man, couple years ago I'm sitting I'm sitting on a man's porch and he's just he's crying he's crying because his his kids are going down a path that he never would have imagined they would have gone and he's saying and now I can't get them in the church I can't get them to come to church with me he says why not EJ why won't they come with me And I had to look him in the eye and say, they're just doing what you taught them. Because he sent them to church growing up, but he never came with them. There's such a big difference in that. Listen, guys, fathers, I know life gets busy. And I know there's so much to do. And I know there's not enough hours in the day and not enough days in the weeks and not enough weeks in the months. I, I understand all of that. I get that. I really do. But this... This affects eternity. This will affect them for the rest of their life and their soul for the rest of eternity. This matters. You guys with me? The way that we follow God affects the way our children and the way our family follow God. So let's make following God a priority. It's just kind of a little important. Yeah?
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And I, I just really want to, I want you guys to highlight this one as well. If you're in Romans, just go to the right. It's the very next book to the right. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as, as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. With every temptation, there is a way out. And I really should have combined this with, with, uh, with an earlier one, but oh well, I did it. With every temptation... There is always going to be a way out. Again, I say this, just because your parents and your grandparents and everybody else in your family and everybody else around you has struggled with a certain sin, with a certain uh, bad habit, it does not mean that you have to for the rest of your life. Just because that's the way you were taught and you were grown up in it and, and you saw it forever does not mean that has to be your story. With every temptation, there is a way out. So let's not just take the excuse and just say, well, this is the way it's always going to be. This is the way I will always be. There's, there, there's been a few things in my life that I thought, well, this is just going to be my struggle forever. And it doesn't have to be that way. With every temptation, there is a way out. So this, oh, I just can't help myself. Come on. Let's just fight for it a little bit better. Let's fight for it a little bit harder. First John chapter 1, verse 9, you can read it later. But the story of David can really, really be summarized in two things, except for that wouldn't have taken up much enough time, to be honest with you. But it can be summarized in these two things. Number one is God never rejects a repented heart. Time and time again, we see David make some dumb choices, make some dumb mistakes. But every single time, what David did so well, extremely better than, than, uh, than, than Saul, what he did, when he done so well is he repented. He just said, God, I'm sorry. And the second thing that David did so well is he understood that it is all about the heart. There's some scriptures that I want you guys to uh, highlight with me. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Split your Bible in half. If you land in Psalms, then go to the right. That's what I just did. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It is all about the heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Watch your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Take care of your heart. Keep your heart. Watch your heart because out of it spring the issues of life. You want to make better decisions for your family. You want to make better decisions for yourself and, and better financial decisions and better business decisions and just better emotional decisions, then watch your heart. Watch what you take in. You with me? If we take in a bunch of junk, what do we shoot out? A bunch of junk. Right? 
If all we watch and all we listen to is a bunch of people just arguing and just being divisive, and, and then that's who we're going to be. Watch your heart because out of it come the issues of life. Psalms chapter 26, verse 2. Go to the left. Psalms chapter 26, verse 2. David writes to God and he says this, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. So he has an open conversation with God and he says, Check, heart check me. Make sure that what is in my heart is pure. Make sure that nothing evil, that there's nothing wrong inside of my heart. Heart check me right now. Now that's, that's a very bold statement. Right? But some of us need to have this conversation with God and just say, God, heart check me. If there's anything inside of my heart that's not of you, that's not good, that's evil, that's not, that's not loving, that's not kindness, that's not forgiveness, then rid me of it. Heart check me. Psalm chapter 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. I believe that summarizes the life of David. It's a man that loved God so much that he was able to just open up and just say, God, take control of my heart. And you see, some of us are get growing frustrated, maybe, maybe financially or maybe at home or maybe at work maybe with family, maybe with church, maybe with God, maybe whatever. And we're growing frustrated. And really, all we need is a heart check. Because sometimes we're frustrated about the wrong things. Sometimes we're angry and, and mad and, and uh, harboring unforgiveness over the wrong things. Some of us just need to say to God, create in me a clean heart. Give me a new heart. This is the end of the message. For more information, please visit theremodelchurch.com.